going. Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Are you about to cry? No, no, I'm good. I'm oh. good. Um, is, uh, am I, is it just me? Is our guest here? No, um, because I think this one this one is yours to record. Oh, yeah. So you should probably initiate the call to her. Oh yeah. Okay. So what's her what's her thing? Oh, I mean, let me let me let me add her. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. I think I might be able to do it. Linda. Is it Linda Harris and my Skype contacts? Maybe. I don't know if that's going to work. I'm going to try this. Should I try? Sure. Go for it. So she's unavailable. Uh Uh-oh. What? uh, Do you know what her her thing is? Her Skype name? Yeah. She she called me last night to test. Okay. Hold on. Um, oh, Skype is such a hot mess. Um, see, but also, I'm okay. All right. Uh, so you'll, ha- <laughs> um, all right. I, I, uh, I, I have, I have her Skype name for you here. Okay. It's LJ Harris. Nine, four, eight, five. Nine, four, eight, five. Got it. One mutual connection. Look at that. <laughs> How about that? How about that? I bet that's you. I bet you you're right. <laughs> hey, I recognize that laugh. I know that. Yeah, it's a it's a really early morning laugh. Seriously. <laughs> Good morning. Cheers. This this is a professional show. Yeah, someone should someone should tell our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I left my bell at home. Oh, oh, that's I. My bells. Oh, there. There you uh, go. Um, there you sorry, go. sorry. I, uh, uh, I did things that I shouldn't have done. I like, I didn't, I didn't really double book us, but I didn't make it clear to the person who came to meet me at at nine that I had a heart out at nine thirty, and so, and then I, then I did, and then we, we, yeah. I'm sorry. This is my. That's why then the phrase "hard out" was invented. I know, I know. Uh, it's, it's you know, only... timing is very important in radio. You can't have dead. You can't have dead air. It's true, and, and, it, and you have to have a hard out. A hard out. You know, a hard out only works when you when you tell someone about it. When it's, when this it's is not, this is true. <laughs> it's not. It's like the reservation. I mean, I can I I can create You're the hard out. <laughs> I'm just not good at communicating the hard out. Like there's a there's a hard out that you knew about. Well, you had a, we had a hard in. Well, it was more of a soft in now. <laughs> I guess. Yes, because because I've been sitting here staring at my computer waiting for the Skype thingy to ring. Yes. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but glad to be here. Well, we're glad you're here, and and we we've done no introduction. Um, cause that's, I mean, that's how we roll in a professional podcast like this. Um, and, uh, and, and so, so we've got the, the esteemed Dr. Linda Harris, um, who we invite to every episode, usually at the end, we say, Linda, if you're listening, 
um, we're recording again <laughs> next, you know, whatever time, and join us. And and like it's this ongoing joke, and literally <laughs> it worked. Well, sort of, but you're here. I mean, that didn't work, but um, but you're here. So uh, yeah, Linda Harris from UC Davis, uh, known known as uh, the Almond Queen uh, in some circles, um, and uh, in 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 our circle as well. Um, you're welcome. Welcome to Food Safety Talk. Yay. Yay, good to be here. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to say it was just, it was nice being able to see both of you last week. Um, oh, do we lose? Do we lose Linda? She she was so excited about seeing both of us last week. I think she unplugged her Yeti. Your, your Yeti's, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, now we hear you. And now we don't. I heard you through the whole thing. So. Oh, weird. All now right. We well, you. something something's wrong with your audio. Well, who knows, right? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> there, was, there was a little um, like a message came through. You know, one of those pop-up message things. So maybe that interrupted it. But what I was about to say is, it was good to see Don in Chicago at the challenge study workshop, and then it was good to see. Ben last week in, in Davis uh, at the uh, Food Waste Food Safety Conference, and uh, we had a great time. So I think that was the combination of those two just uh, solidified this morning. Yeah. Put you over the top. Mm -hmm. The pod, as I know Don doesn't like to call it. <laughs> I, I like to call it the pod. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, and we're glad we're glad you're here. Um, it was it was cool. Um, this, I'd never visited uh, Davis before, Don, um, and uh, Lynn and I had just a, like a lovely uh, uh, couple of days, uh, or uh, yeah, t two days. I, I um, we get to spend all day together at the um, this um, global food uh, thing food it was on food waste and food safety and it was a really cool event um, organized by some some awesome faculty members at, at Davis and, and others um, but it was it was not like a you know sort of boring um, lecture kind of kind of thing it was okay let's do some quick presentations let's have some panels and then have breakout groups it was good um, and then, uh, then I got to hang out with uh, Linda's lab. And, then, and in between those two things, Linda and I went and uh, uh, had an, an excellent dinner. I, I got to eat my uh, very first um, grilled artichoke, and I was I did it wrong. Uh, and and then Linda taught me how to do it. Um, but it was it was great. It was I had a really good time. It was it was super fun. It was one of those trips where um, it uh, it did not none, none of it. It all felt like, oh, this went by so fast, and I, you know, I would love to come back. It was cool. I had a great time. And I really appreciate you coming to my lab meeting. And I think you are coming back in maybe. That's right. Sometime, sometime in the summer. Hey, so you know, we because we're a professional podcast, um, we did do some very careful preparation last night um, and got Linda's audio all squared away. But Linda, there is there is something wrong with your audio. It's not it's not loud enough. If it's coming in and coming out, so um, 
if you could like take a look and do that, like Ben, Ben and I can yeah. talk about some stuff for a little bit. Um, but, but it's, I think it's going to be anyway, I want, I, here's the thing. I, I don't want our listeners to miss a single word of what you have to say. It sounds and, like maybe, maybe the audio is coming through your laptop, not the microphone. Okay. It might be that, right? Um, it so does check, sound like that. Yeah. So check, check your, we could walk you through some settings and we can always edit this out because <laughs> I'm, 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 it's editing. in the show. It's in the show. It's in the show. It's in the show. Um, in Skype, Linda, in pre, in the Skype like menu, there's something that says audio video setup. And then it'll give you, um, you can pick the source. Okay. Also, I didn't know this, Don, but in Skype with your video, you have an option to blur my background. I just did that. I, that and is so cool. I, I've, 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 I've played with that a little bit. It's really cool. <laughs> this is it's crazy. So, you know, that was it because last night when ah, Don, there we go. When Don and I tested this, we had my computer set up for the Yeti stereo microscope, but we didn't. He didn't tell me about <laughs> Skype settings. And that's a completely different thing, apparently. <laughs> it is. It also, is. Also, if you're using a stereo microscope, you're using a stereo microscope. Well, that's what it says. And literally, I was I was reading. Is it Yeti stereo microscope? That's what it says that's on amazing. on the Skype thingy when I pulled down menu. It says Yeti stereo microscope, even though it's a single <laughs> sitting here. That's what it's called, Don. And it's, and it's a micro. It's not a microscope. It's a microphone. Did I say oh. microscope? I like it better. I want <laughs> the Yeti to Oh, well, you know. Oh, that's what you were laughing at, not the stereo part. Okay. Oh. Microphone. <laughs> I mean, if it's, if it's a stereo microscope, I mean, that's a different kind of a podcast. Um, it's, okay. It's, but we're so all this, on board now. You can hear me crystal clear. We hear you sound and awesome. It, <laughs> no, no, the God. Okay, what am I doing? No, you're, uh, you're, you're good. Yeah, so, well, we'll know. Five by five. We'll know when it's eight o'clock. Um, anyway, it's seven o'clock. <laughs> oh, Lord. Is we can start at eight. All the time? Oh, yeah, this is pretty much, this is the show. This is this is probably why you don't listen. It's basically what we do is just. Okay, uh, so, the, so I'm just going to correct for your listeners out there. I have listened to. What arguably is an insignificant number of of your broadcasts, but because you have you have Run so many, you had so many. But I've listened to at least five, including the Larry Goodrich one, which was, ah. yes. But here's the problem: I listen when I walk, and and <laughs> I I walk for a fair long time, and uh, Larry's podcast. Uh, number 182 uh exceeded two two walks it was, <laughs> it was a three walk podcast and so that's part of my problem they're one of my favorite rock bands <laughs> three rock, yeah three walk three podcast. podcast they were <laughs> oh man so anyway that's that's just you know just a comment um 
anyway, so I, it's not that I've never listened to one of your podcasts. And actually, when I first started listening, I went back to the very beginning because I thought that's what you should do. Season one, episode you guys, one. Yeah. You guys kept producing more and it became like this very daunting task <laughs> to go through <laughs> 182. But what was really cool about it, actually, and so I do recommend people going back because in some of the episodes you were talking about outbreaks as they were unfolding and trying to uh, hypothesize what was going on. And of course, as I was listening to them, I knew exactly, you know, what the conclusions uh, were because this was like a year after the fact kind of thing. But it was very interesting to hear your ruminations on on something that that happened in the past. It was yeah, because often you guys are very insightful, as you know. <laughs> we do. I, I, I mean, we sometimes we are, and sometimes I don't know if we know that. Um, <laughs> I, already, I want to say because <clears throat> I know he won't listen to this. Already, Linda is a better guest than Larry because she <laughs> understands that the most important thing is to, to, to talk really nicely about the podcast and about your hosts. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Did we? Okay, so now I'm I'm intrigued by this because we the, how we usually do this, Linda, is we record this thing. And then um, Dawn, within hours, re-listens to it, finds some uh, some uh, show titles. We get our notes out and post it. I do it within usually days, um, based on how things work. Went this morning. I think you you understand. That's how I roll. Yes. Um, and and then we then it sits there. And every once in a while, we'll come back to it and say like, Oh yeah, I know we talked about this in episode yeah one thirty seven, right? And what mm -hmm. was it? It was on you know, you know we talked about. Pickles or something, and and we know this because we've got notes on it. But I, we never, I never go back to listen to what we what we talked about. So, in that perspective of you listening to some of these these older old ones, did we like were we more or less correct or were we way off or did we like because as more information well, came out, like yeah, give us like, yeah, and it's cool. I want it's it to be been both. A while, yeah, it's been a while, so I can't remember the specifics. So. Yeah, I should have gone back and listened, but I no. can't remember. I remember that it was just an interesting, it was just interesting, you know, because it's like a historical <laughs> document um, that that was talking about current events, you know, that it's, oh, it's, so it's kind of a neat yeah. feature of a podcast, I guess, because it's it's a conversation about current events. And then, you know, if you want to go back and figure out you know it's always when you when you're talking about how you remember things happening or unfolding or they're not exactly what actually happened and unfolded um and so being able to go back and listen to that i think is is kind of cool huh. so that's just my i don't remember specifics though. no that's Sorry, guys. no that's all right I'm, I'm like truthfully um it amazes us that anyone listens to this um, it amazes us when our like friends and, and peers listen to it even more. Um, so, so the fact that, that it was listened to is, it's hard to get past that. Um, uh, and it, it's like, as we, it, I, I, I don't know, talking with people who've been listening to the podcast for a while, I think we've evolved how we do what we do too, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we, we used to, um, 
we used to have like, oh, hey, we're going to talk about like some history and we're going to talk about two or three outbreaks that are going on and, and what do we see in the news? And, and then over the last year or so, just the amount of feedback that we get, that's really um, driven a lot of our content is we've got, you know, listener feedback, things, things that people are seeing in the news or someone comes across something and then we, then we kind of answer and address those questions. Um, right. And that it, it's a different um, – I don't know. It's just a, it, it's all, it's like evolved to a, a kind of a different show, kind of show than it than it started, um, and and there are times where I think we, um, you know, there's there's some just like uh, tried and tested things that that we are are good at rehashing. Like it, you know, it's complicated and it depends and and that kind of stuff. Um, but, but it's, yeah, there's, I, I think the more engagement that we've got from others on the outside and, and I, you know, I think about, um, just having a conversation with Larry last time and, and you now, um, this, it moves us into another different area where it's like, Oh, let's, I want to ask, like, I want to interview you more than just have you on the show. Like I want to ask you questions, which is cool too. Like that's fun for us, for me. Cause I don't, I don't, I can be late and I don't have to prepare. <laughs> well, I mean, so, to be honest, Ben, you're you're always late and you never prepare. And they, right. they, for the most part, they turn out just fine. So. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's that's cool. So we, you know, um, as you, if you continue to, to listen to some of those old ones, we do uh, refer to you as um, Linda Harris, who downloads but doesn't listen to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and I just again, I'm yeah. correcting you. I love I've, it. I've listened to to five or six. Uh, I do download them. So they are on my iPhone every once in a while. When I, you know, look at the podcast app, it'll, uh, it'll say, (laughs) we notice you haven't downloaded in a while. Are you still interested in this podcast? And I always say yes. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then because yes, you are it, you, you really yeah, are yeah so and, and and then it downloads some more uh, to be fair you know the, i don't it's not like i'm my podcast listening is extensive you know out of the other podcasts i've downloaded there's only one other that i've listened to and then only half a dozen times so oh well then we're in good company you what are. Is, what's that other? Do you want? Do you mind sharing? Is it? Is it? Uh, yeah, this American Life. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now they make their podcasts to to fit within my walk. You see, one <laughs> well, walk, to, to one be, podcast. To, to, to be fair, they don't they don't make the podcast so that it fits within your walk. It is by coincidence that your walk is the same length as their podcast. Well, it's, Let's it's just very, be totally clear that okay. they are not custom okay. lengthened. That's adjusting sem- their podcast for you. That's semantics, Don. Oh, That's it. Yes, yeah. it is semantics. Thought it was all about me. Oh. <laughs> well, we all know it's all about you. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, so my, um, Danny, my my wife uh, also listens to uh, um, This American Life, and she she pings me with a few good ones. Um, sometimes that are food related, and sometimes that aren't. And we talked a couple episodes ago about um, a really cool one on MSG. So I'll, I'll oh. send you that. It was really, okay. it was, yeah, it was one of these like, uh, you know, double, triple turns out like MSG. We don't, we don't really know how the, the, the first MSG letter that, that sparked the, the concern, you know, got there. There, there are some competing, um, com- competing thoughts, but anyway, it was a really cool, like, it was a cool story. It's a good narrative. And we, mm-hmm. and we talked about this, we talked about this we on did. the podcast, right? We did, yeah. We did. Yep. Yep. 
in another episode that we'll know we'll never go back and listen to. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was yeah, it was very cool. So um, I um, I've been listening to okay. So speaking of podcasts that we listen to and download, I we there's I'm gonna tell I like music a lot. And one of my friends hooked me on a podcast called Strong Songs. And it's a, a guy who I think is, he used to, used to work for um, uh, NPR in Portland. And I think he's a high school music teacher or has been a high school music teacher. And he deconstructs for like an hour songs and plays the chords and progression. I don't, I'm not musical at all. Like I like listening to music, but he talks about the, the, all the jargon of how a song, song is built. And so he did, um, like, Dancing Queen by ABBA and Thriller by Michael Jackson and Single Ladies by Beyonce. And um, the first episode was Africa by Toto. Anyway, it, if you're, check, like, as an – and it's one person, which I don't usually listen to podcasts where it's just one person talking either. This American Life is, you know, typically, you know, a, a narrative and, and there may be some some short interviews with it. But um, but it, I think it's hard to, like, steer a 45-minute conversation just, just on your own and drive it. But this guy does a really good job. So check it out. It's called song, Strong Songs. Strong Songs. Strong Songs. Strong Songs. Strong songs by Kirk Hamilton. The the another another podcast that's song related that I also don't listen to is Song Exploder, and people have uh, mentioned that before, where the the guy takes a deep dive into a particular song. I and, uh, uh, and the one the one episode that I've heard mentioned multiple times, and I'll mention it again here, is um, the Commander Thinks Aloud by John Roderick, which is an amazing song, and apparently the Song Exploder about that song is quite quite good as well. I, yeah, so Song Exploder is uh, it's in my Linda bucket of it's a it's a, it's something I subscribe to and don't listen to. <laughs> Except, and, but I but now I'm gonna have to change that and say yeah I'm gonna have to I have to listen to five episodes of it. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but right. as long as they're not too long and they fit within your walk. Yeah, yeah. They're, they have these got a bunch of good songs on there. Um, so yeah, I'll check that. I'm gonna check that out. So do you think your guests? Um, listen to the like go back and listen to the podcast that they were on. Does Michelle listen to the podcast she's been on? I doubt I it. You, <laughs> I mean, right? Like, are you because like, you, you lived it, right? Yeah. Are you playing? Well, so are you going to listen to this one? <laughs> this is this is this is John John Roderick famously. Uh, it's like well, I don't need to listen to it. I was on it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was there. Right. Um, I'm just curious. Yeah. I, yeah, so I I will when, ones that I have been a guest on I will go back and listen, um, just just because it it was it was it's it's funny like a, like a lot of the ones I've done have been a lot of fun like I'll certainly go back and listen to the when I've been on uh, Dubai Friday because it, it's just it's just hilarious and uh, I'm curious to see if they how, what how much they edited and, and if they edited it so but I don't I don't go back and listen repeatedly but I will go back just to just to hear how it played out. I um, yeah I. I... I do listen to stuff that I've done and more from a cringe factor. Like I re- <laughs> like I really and this is this is something that I've like <laughs> I've taken from others. I really just want to know if I sound stupid or goofy or if I said something wrong. And I'm and I worry sometimes that I'm like, oh, I didn't get it quite I didn't get it quite right. And I got you guys like, you know, or I guess somewhat ironically, I got you guys to look at a video that I did this week with that exact same thing. It's like I'm too I I I'm not doing a good job assessing whether I said something or I missed something, and I need someone else to tell me whether it's 
whether like and all you know, I, I seek a validation of is this good, but also did I sound stupid saying it? So uh, speaking of the video that you had us review, when yes. is that? When is that going to come out? It may come out today. Um, oh yeah, you're yeah. going to need to put that in the show notes. Yes, <laughs> it, it'll it'll come out. It it, it is not. I, I've been emailing back and forth, and I can't um, can't reveal all the uh, the the super secret content on this. But it's either it's either today. Or it'll be um, it may be Monday or Tuesday um, or sometime over the weekend, but um, but they're hoping to get it out today. So it's a it, yeah, yeah. It was pretty awesome. I thought. <laughs> Thank you. If you need some validation, I do. I, I thought I thought you did a really good job, and I just there's so many layers of things to like about the video uh, <laughs> that uh, yeah. Double thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, it was it was a little. This one was a little different than something I had done before. So, um, uh, yeah. So, so anyway, we're 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 talking cryptically, but you'll know, maybe by the time this gets posted, we'll we'll have a link in the in the well, show notes that says here's the video Don, that they're talking. Don about. and I and Michelle were threatened, you know, yes. that we could not share this with anybody. People would be very upset. Not me. I'm happy to get it out there, but uh, the the uh, the people that are doing the editing of it uh are like this is not final don't don't share this we want it we want the final they're also very like proud of their we're professional yes yeah um the person who edited it said that this is the most um like produced video he's ever done wow <laughs> yeah which was kind of exciting uh so anyway uh but yeah i mean i i, I don't think um i i, I watch so I watch interviews that I do. Like I, I if I if I do a or or like a I, I won't go back to listen to a radio interview. I read the quotes a lot and think, okay, could I have said that differently? But from a like a TV interview standpoint, there's something about that that I I really enjoy. Like all of the behind the scenes, like what it t took to get to that point. Like you know, we talked for 15 minutes and here's the the one snippet that they took out of it um but then you know they shot some b-roll and, and they did this first and they did this afterwards i like i'm i'm fascinated by the by the production process um so and then also i like to show my kids when i'm on tv like that's really the only thing that they think is cool <laughs> yeah I've, I've never really liked watching myself uh after an interview like sometimes i do but it's like you it's like i cringe <laughs> yeah well and <laughs> you know one yeah uh, anyway. One thing about doing this podcast is <clears throat> I have gotten used to the sound of my recorded voice. And yeah. so I can listen to myself now way more easily than I can watch myself. When, huh. when, I, when I watch myself, I still have some very annoying like physical tics and things, which I, I definitely notice when, when I'm watching myself. And so I really very much prefer not to do that. But, but audio-wise, um, I think it's just a desensitization process. Like I just hear myself so much right. from editing. Even if I don't listen to the whole podcast again, um, I hear it enough in the editing. It's like, yeah, that's fine. That's it's just how I sound. It's it's okay. I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. But yeah. But watching myself, no thanks. I'll pass. Huh. That's yeah. That, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about uh, thought about that. I guess yeah. I like yeah. For um, me too. It it depends on uh, uh, on the video. Uh, some some interviews are just fun, you know, because they're they're not they're. The, the the reporter's good. They're not trying to. It's not a gotcha kind of thing. And you're just trying to help educate on a on a topic. And so I've had some pretty fun uh, video interviews on TV. That and those those are are better than the ones where it's 
you know, more serious and they're trying to make a, a headline and you're worried about giving them the headline. Right. So, yeah. Well, and and I, I, I often share with, um, with students or folks that are like look, looking to be in positions where they're going to have to get interviewed, um, like a little bit about that, where it, it, it there, there are some times when you're in a interview situation where, where the interviewer will ask really the same question two or three times in, in maybe in a little different way. And, and often it's like, and you know, this, this is a, a common one, right? So we have an outbreak going on it's at a rest, you know, series of restaurants and, and they want to know like, what would you eat there? Right. right. Like, like, would you, you know, and so like, yeah, this happened with Chipotle, um, a whole bunch. It's like, would you eat it at, at, you know, at Chipotle? And it's like, you know, that's a really, I, I try to answer that in different ways where it's like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I might eat there. I'm going to choose not to right now, but here are the reasons why I choose not to. Cause I'm, I'm cognizant of that. Um, you know, that one, like we've, we've done a whole bunch of background on this and I've explained why I think that that it, it might not be a great place to eat right now, but, but the headline will become like, um, or this, or the, the, NC the quote will be, State professor yeah, says no, <laughs> refuses to eat at Chipotle. Right, right. Dangers yeah. lurk here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it, well, and, and, and you know, the thing with Chipotle, like <clears throat> I used to be a huge fan and I still remember uh, when I first discovered Chipotle, it was on, uh, the university of Minnesota campus. And I was there for Craig Hedberg's Summer Institute. And there was a Chipotle like right across the street from my hotel. And I just went there every day because I just really liked the food. Um, and since they had all their problems, I haven't been back. And it's 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 partly a professional thing, but also partly it's just like I have a revulsion now. And it's it's not it's not a logical scientific response. I get that it's an emotional response, but it's my response. I don't want to eat at that restaurant anymore. Right, and right. part is because I don't trust them. And I think about how great the food was. And I think about all the fantastic meals that I had there. And I'm just like, you know, I just don't want to go there anymore. And, and again, I can't, I can't articulate it any more clearly than that, which I realize is not very articulate. But, but that's how I feel. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's like so, – so this is where in, in that interview setting, right, like that you're, the answer that you just gave, gave is not um, – it, it, like it's complete. And this is where this is the beauty of a podcast, and the beauty of just like the three of us talking about it um, is it's like okay, there's a lot of context there, but but the part that you know th that might get picked up in it is um, yeah, I just have a revulsion to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, like yeah, that's so the, it's a great soundbite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think so. So here's like here's the like the parts of, you know, we can lament that. And I think people don't get into talking with media because they worry about it where I think, you know, the three of us and others that, that do a lot of this stuff, it's like, you know what, you, I will get, someone will say that every once in a while, but if I, but if we're not part of this, someone else is going to like, um, maybe tell a different story that that's not as correct as what I think it is. Yeah. You talked about that uh, with Larry too. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. I, I have yeah. to say that, uh, I've gotten, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know it's important, but I prefer not to do live, uh, interviews like if, and, and reporters increasingly are accepting of, um, responses by email, Absolutely. you know, where you can think about it, you can research it, you can make sure that, 
kind of what you're saying is complete and the sentences are <laughs> well constructed and, you know, those kind of things. So I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I've become much more comfortable with that format. Um, and if I do, you know, telephone interviews, uh, I usually try and at least get, you know, the context of what they're trying to, you know, what the story is so that I can prepare. And that's the thing that I, you know, they want to capture you, right? In some cases, not all, because some reporters are terrific and they really want to understand. And those are the, those are the interviews I enjoy the most where somebody really wants to understand what this, the underlying story is and they want to get the the science behind it, even though sometimes it's complicated and it depends. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah. And, and so I, what, what I've found is that magazine people that write for magazines, they have a longer deadlines. They yeah. have a more nuanced story. Um, uh, and then, and then sometimes you get a call from a print reporter who is on deadline. Like I did one, um, that was just published uh, last week on uh, um, FDA's uh, testing frozen berries for viruses. And I, I'm not thrilled with the way it came out. There's some stuff that, you know, again, <laughs> that I understand why the story was written the way that it was. I definitely said those things or something approximating those things. Um, but there was some also some other stuff that I said that uh, didn't didn't necessarily make it into the story. Um, I haven't heard any feedback from my folks in the frozen food industry about what they thought about the interview. It wasn't a wasn't a home run, um, but it was probably a, I would say a solid you know uh, to use a sports ball <laughs> a metaphor. It was a it was a, sol a solid base hit for food <laughs> safety. <laughs> well, and it's and it's tough too, right? In these things because you. Um, you don't when when you do it, you don't know what's going to come out, and and it could be it could be great, and they could even when I when I talk like I we didn't talk much about this with with Larry, but I think we've talked about it in a previous podcast, and um, and just with my experience um, with with Doug going right back to um, graduate school, it was kind of always like okay, someone there's an outbreak happening. What are the two or three messages that we want to get across? Right? Like, what do we mm -hmm. know? What do we not, not know? And then you, you kind of like massage those into sound bites. And then when you get that sound bite in there, it's like, Hey, I did that. That was me. Like we actually thought about that. And that happens, you know, maybe like 60, 70% of the time, 30% of the time, when you get into a conversation, it just comes out. And sometimes some of those are home runs. Right. Like it's not even right. a planned thing. And I was like, ah, I remember doing that with um, I think it was USA Today and they were talking about home canning. And I said something like um, this was when I first started getting into home food preservation. And I, I was I was a, I was a newbie at this. And, and it was part of the thing that when I came to, to NC State, they're like, oh, you do food safety with consumers and retail stuff and also home food preservation. So read up on it. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, let me learn that. And that's, I mean, that's when I learned uh, when I met Elizabeth and uh, Andrus at University of Georgia, and and really started jumping into the science about it. Anyway, I said something like an offhanded comment in a to um, a USA Today reporter, which was like, 
you know, when it comes to home canning, you don't want to be Rachel Ray in the kitchen, like trying to make it. It was like, oh, you know, like Rachel Ray is doing a cooking show and she's like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it was like home canning, you can't do that. You got to follow the recipe. And that was what like that quote was the thing that that I got like 40 emails about like, oh, Rachel Ray in the kitchen. That's hilarious. And I'm like, I never would have. I didn't think about it until it just came out. And then now I'm like, oh, I'll always grab on to Rachel Ray in the kitchen. Well, and <laughs> whoa, 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 hey, my bell. it's not that kind of podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you get in trouble for that. Um, but uh, but you know, and that's like, and that's the same thing with with doing the podcast, right? It's like we'll 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 talk about something and we'll kind of hash it out from from various perspectives, and then you know, occasionally we'll we'll hit something that that makes a lot of sense, or we'll find a great show title, you know, like right. like gra- grab right. onto Rachel Ray in the kitchen. <laughs> oh dear. No, that's very <laughs> problematic. If we're not, we no one's finding that picture. So <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, but yeah, uh, but it's. I mean, it's funny like this how this how that works, and I don't know. Like, w- so we've talked a little bit about um, our. Our, you know, individually, our collective approaches on how we how we give talks and and how I you know I'd mentioned to Don a couple episodes ago. I'm like you know trying to change a little bit about but about what I do. But it's the same kind of thing. Like I don't really plan exactly what I'm going to say until I get up there. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes. Right. Like and that happens with all of us. I think. Well, and, but the thing is, I know I know the major beats of the story. Sure. Right? And yeah. part of it is how am I doing on time? How many other stories have I told as part of the story? Um, what is the audience doing? Are, are they re- are they yeah. are they laughing at my jokes? <laughs> are they, look, um, are, are they looking they, like are they, they can't wait to get out of the room? Are they looking at their phones? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I t- it's one of the reasons why you know I've always um, been accused of kind of being a last minute Linda. Uh, when it comes to uh, <laughs> presentations, and um, part of it is because it's part of the process, right? Um, if I'm working on and tweaking up, you know, kind of up to or you know, a few hours before, it's not that I'm making my presentation then, but I am going through it in my mind. I'm I'm making adjustments. I'm I, I, I use the screen show so that I can see how the transitions are going to go, and then I go, no, I don't like that transition. I I change it so that it's really fresh in my in my head when I get up on the on the at the podium. I've gone through this recently in my in my head, and where I find that I get thrown off is is when somebody asks for my slides way in advance. And then <clears throat> I don't do the, as much of that practice rehearsing right. in, in my head. And so I get up and I'm a little bit stiff, I would say. Um, so yeah. And it also depends on how many times you've given, you know, essentially that talk and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, that when you, when you've done a talk, it's like, oh yeah, that was, that was good. And other times it's like, well, that was okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, you're you're exactly right, and you can kind of feel it. Um, I, I also because um, I, I, I used to get stressed about like, oh, they're going to need my slides by X date, and now I just send them like some old talk that I'm not going to do, <laughs> <laughs> and then yep. it satisfies their need of we have some slides, and then when I show up, I change it. Um, and, Tr- and tricky, tricky. Yeah. No, no one's the wiser except everyone probably knows this is what I'm doing. Uh, well, but it now also, they do if they listen yeah, yeah. to your podcast. 
Yeah. I, yeah I, they, had, I had a similar experience because I gave a talk this week at uh, Food Research Institute. So Kathy, I, I visited with Kathy and Linda last two weeks ago in Chicago, and then Kathy invited me to come out to Madison this week. And they asked for the slides in advance. And I said, well, you know, here's the slides, but I might change them. And then I turned out I didn't change them. But but I do get what Linda was saying because it did feel a little bit stiff out there. Yeah. But on the other hand, again, it was a talk I'd given a bunch of different times before, and I kind of knew the major beats of the story. And I could react to the previous speaker and and what they said and and you know and point some stuff out and it ended up being really good and I think it came all, came across really well but um, but the ones where I am working on it up until the last minute it's definitely like I like I like that analogy Linda is that it just feels a little bit a little bit it's not like a well worn pair of jeans right there it's just a little bit stiff because you haven't been walking around in that PowerPoint suit uh, yeah right up until the end of the end of the preparation time. And the other thing people don't understand, I think, is for me, um, while I might not get my slides in and, and to, or finish them until close, <laughs> close to the end, um, I need to know, you know, if somebody's asking me to give a talk in October, let's say, um, or September, I have a talk in September coming up, and it's a, it's a talk I haven't given in, in a while, but I know the title of it, right? And so for the next three months, I'm... I'll run across things that I'll think, oh, that, that, that would be good for that talk, you know? And so what I really makes me more nervous is, um, not having that time to think about it, not necessarily even to sit down and pull it all together is the, I, I, I like to have this longer period of time where, where I'm actually, I know I have to give these talks. These are coming up. These are the topics you know, I can, I can spin one off the other. I'm, you know, I'm looking for things in the news, things I might come across in, in, the online when I'm looking for something else. And so, uh, yeah, I definitely have a process that I like to go through. So, yeah. Well, and, and that's, um, you, that, that makes you, um, comfortable with what's what's going to happen at the end right like mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I i do too i i said and you probably like last week was was interesting because it was one where i sent the slides early I actually worked on them early knowing that i might not change them and then and it was three stories that i hadn't told together or very much of so and it was like okay i got i have a 15 minute gap or not a 15 minute time frame to put this in and I would, I like run through in my mind, like, okay, here, 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 here. I try to figure out exactly what it is, but I just like scroll through those slides, like mm -hmm. 30 or 40 times, like really fast right before just to be like, what's, what's here? What am I missing? And you're, you're kind of memorizing the, the beats more than anything. Right. We, right. so one of the things uh, so that, oh yeah. before, before we leave this, I just want to mention, so Linda's comment, um, reminded me of, uh, a blog post from 43 folders of all things. Um, and I went to find it and it looks like 43 folders is, is not up right now, but I, but I found a, a similar link on uh, Huffington post and it, and <clears throat> Linda's comment reminded me about, um, uh, uh, Twyla Tharp's process for uh, working on a thing. Um, she she basically starts with a box, uh, like a literal banker's box. And when she starts to work on a project, in her case, it's you know performance. Um, she just takes things that inspire her and put them in, and she puts them in the box. And so mm -hmm. that that to me sounds very much like huh. Linda's process. It's a virtual box, and it's a slide, it's a slideshow, not a not a uh, choreography. But but the idea is that you you're preparing for that just by being aware that this thing is coming up and. 
then yep. you put stuff you put stuff in in, in a place where where you know that when you when you need it you'll come back to it and it'll all be there. Well, it's often a folder, so right, exactly. You know, every presentation I've got you know coming up, I've got a folder for it already, and you know, uh, sometimes sometimes I'll I'll dump in a, a presentation I've given before because mm -hmm. yep. it's related yep. and yep. it's the starting point, and then and then I go from there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, sometimes though, you know, and you guys know this when you give a whole bunch of talks is it, like I did this one once for Trevor Suslow and um, I worked on it so hard. And then I realized at the very end of getting ready for this talk that I had given a talk two months earlier where I'd already done all the work and I, for <laughs> I forgot that I gave the talk. Like I, like I knew that I'd, I'd gone through the thought process already and, you know, it kept nagging at me that why, why am I recreating this slide again? I, I'm pretty I sure I, I did have this. it. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, yeah. And as it turned out, I did. So that's something I also do is just just kind of scroll through my Rolodex of uh, of presentations and say, okay, when were the last two or three times I gave this general talk? And uh, I just want to make sure I haven't already put the work in uh, on this. It's sad that you know I don't remember every single presentation crystal clear, but. It's unfortunately true. Well, yeah. and the worst thing is where I know I gave the talk, but I just for the life of me can't find the PowerPoint. And it's like yeah. I really don't want to go through the trouble of doing right. that all again because I know that I've already done it. Or, and then I find something that's like, well, that's not quite it. That's close. Right. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, like, and, and, yeah. and spe speaking of this is going to this is going to come up. <clears throat> With our next uh, our next topic here, which we're going to talk about uh, metrics, uh, scientific metrics. Um, <laughs> but um, I knew that I had looked up one of those metrics before, and I couldn't find it, and it's not on my webpage anymore. But you know, there's a wonderful um, Mac app which I will give a huge shout out to uh, called Huda Spot, um, and we'll link to it in the show notes. But this is a great thing, a great tool. It's way better, in my opinion, than Spotlight for finding stuff on your hard disk. And I was able to find my uh, Erdos number, which I had calculated previously just by typing in the word Erdos and then searching uh, on my hard disk with uh, Huda Spot. So, oh, that's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, did you want? That's a great segue so, in, yeah. into the next. <laughs> that's what you. That's what you call in the business a great segue. A great segue. So, um, why don't you guys introduce this topic that you threw on me yesterday afternoon? Well, well it's kind of <laughs> kind of thrown on me. This is Ben's topic, so we'll let Ben set it up. Yeah. Well, so so somehow, let me go back into our text a little bit. Don and I, we often text about things that we want to um, uh, talk about here. And I, um, as I was flying somewhere, actually, as I was flying out to Davis last week, I was reading something about uh, a K index. And it came up, um, someone uh, had tweeted about it. And I was like, I don't know what this is. People are talking about calculating their K index. Why? And it, me having always a case of FOMO, I'm like, what is a K index? If it's an academic thing, maybe I should have one of these. What is it? <laughs> Well, um, and, and just to be clear, Ben, we're talking about um, uh, the K index, which quantifies disturbances <laughs> in the horizontal component of Earth's magnetic field with an integer in the range of zero to nine, correct? Well, it's the <laughs> other K index. Not exactly, Don. Yeah. It is the Kardashian <laughs> index. Oh, um, okay. and, and I, uh, so that's they're 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 on they're on the Star Wars, right? They're one of the villains on the Star Wars. Yeah, they're on the they're on the Star Wars with the with the uh, weird ears. Uh, <laughs> they. Uh, so, 
So the Kardashian Index, and this is uh, pulled from uh, Wikipedia, it is named after Kim Kardashian, is a measure of the discrepancy between a scientist's social media profile and publication record. Um, and it was proposed in 2014. Uh, the measure compares the number of followers a research sci scientist has on Twitter to the number of citations they have for the peer-reviewed work. And it essentially says there is a um, expected number of follower calculation. Um, How and did they find that, though? That's what I want to know. I, where, that, well, where did that number come from? So you know, there's a paper. I think, I think we just have to go it's with awfully, it. It's, it's awfully precise. No, no, no. It certainly no. is. It's, 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 it's the, the number of actual citations raised to the 0 0.32 power multiplied by 43.3. Yes. Now, I understand why you have to correct, why you have to subtract 32 and multiply by five-ninths when you're converting between the two temperature scales. Like, the, all of those numbers make sense. These don't intuitively make sense to me. Well, yeah. I think the fact that they're calling it the Kardashian factor, you know, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, don't you think, Don? <laughs> it's like, so, I, but, uh, but I, but I, but I want to know where the numbers came uh, from. So there's a so, paper. There's a paper. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll go read the paper. Yeah. So, so before you you go further, Ben, um, the number of citations, as discussed yesterday, uh, you told me that Google Scholar was going to be the 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 reference for number of citations, correct? That's what I use. That's what I use. Yes. Well, yes. I'm going to have to say, Ben, that you have to clean up your Google Scholar. Well, I, I had to, site to because you some. are not you are not the author of on chip superconducting <laughs> microwave <laughs> circular circulator from synthetic rotation. Can that you say correct. that with with absolute certainty, Linda? Because I, you know, I, yes, and then you are not also widely tunable on chip microwave circulator for superconducting quantum circuits. Well, if he wrote the first one, he probably wrote the second one too. <laughs> I just, um, what's your middle name, Ben? It's, it's a J, and so there's oh, another is guy. It? Yes. Oh, yes, Ben B J Chapman. That yeah, is like me. you're like you're. You're, you're like you're awesome in the magnetic field, super I, microwave I, circulator, superconducting quantum thing. Yes, yeah. and there's a bunch that also that uh, Benjamin J. Chapman at Yale University wrote that do not uh, show up in my Google uh, Scholar citations, like out of plane spin orientation dependent <laughs> magnetotransport properties in the antitropic helimagnet. Um, yeah, so uh, so, so, so you nice. you want to know about me? But, I but, have but, a lit. But, Oh, sorry. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the like, thing. like, he's he's helping you a little bit, but you are totally carrying his water. I I'm mean, this him. guy, this guy, this guy, this 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 slacker, this physicist slacker at Yale. You are totally carrying the Benjamin J. Chaplin water on this uh, on this quest. I mean, yes, but but I think in in fairness for calculating the K index, I think. Ben needs to do a, a small amount of adjustment, which I think will help his K index. Actually. Well, it depends on your perspective. Uh, yes, it's true. It's true. But I is, also it like, wanna... is it like golf? Do you, are you trying to get a low score? <laughs> yes. I also want to. So I uh, I want to say that I, there is a Linda J. Harris um, out there who happens to have a PhD in, uh, I think. Um, agriculture uh i think she works with uh fungi and she's canadian uh, and it works for i think ag canada so i'm i'm always having to delete her <laughs> her uh 
uh, manuscripts from my Google Scholar. Mm -hmm. But what are the chances, right? I guess pretty good if you're my age, because Linda was a pretty common name. Well, and Harris is a pretty common name. And Harris is a pretty common last name, yeah. I mean, you know, Schaffner is, is, is... relatively uh infrequent although actually when i came when i came to rutgers there was a schaffner that was already here and he was in microbiology no relation um imagine that people were asking me if we were related uh, and i'm like i've never i've never met the man and as far as i know we're not related so i set up a spreadsheet uh to calculate uh on and i uploaded it to a writing buddies folder on dropbox perfect yeah. So Ben, you're in there. I Don, I didn't take the time to calculate yours. Did oh. you uh, Did you adjust mine based on? Uh... I did not because I, I I couldn't delete the. I mean, I could have oh, yeah, sure. manually done it, yeah. but you know that was too much work. So, so. I just I just did a little uh, adjustment, <laughs> and I don't think it changes my score very much. What is the total citation? Okay, hang on. Uh, the total citation. Uh, previously was 995 yep, and yep. now the total citation is 903 okay and you're so, right it, but, you're, but it yeah. yes okay but okay. okay we're ready for the reveal yes <laughs> it's hysterical actually so mine is 0. 0.14 <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Okay. So that means that means just to clarify, that means either you should try to publish less or you should try to get more Twitter followers, right? That well, no, it's it I think if you read the Wikipedia, it says that for the number of citations I have, I should have way more Twitter followers. Right. You're you're being undervalued. I'm undervalued, you're underappreciated. A, yeah. <laughs> you're not meeting your expected number of Twitter followers. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. So we can come back to talk about that, but go ahead. What's yours, Ben? Mine is, uh, well, I don't have it open, but I think it's like it's above nine, or it's no, it's close to nine. Now it's 8.45. 8.45. I actually think now that it's over nine with the uh, adjusted. Um, no, it goes down, uh, down. It went down. Oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, eight point four. Yeah, yeah. Eight point four five. But what does that mean according so, to Wikipedia? <laughs> K, researchers whose K index is greater than five can be considered science Kardashians. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I'm. I, yeah. And, you're uh, right up there with the Kardashians. I'm, I'm a science Kardashian. Ben Ben Chapman. <laughs> science, Kardashian. science Kardashian. Oh my gosh. So what about Don? Uh, mine is uh, splitting the difference. I am at uh, three point one eight. Okay. So I'm I'm uh, I'm not a science Kardashian, uh, but I but I'm I, but I guess I'm only slightly. You're well appreciated. You're I'm, well appreciated. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy with the, my number of uh, citations, and I'm happy with my number of Twitter <laughs> followers. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I have to say that you know, uh, first of all, I have a Twitter account, and I have a hundred and two followers, and I'm not really sure how I got those. Um, <laughs> and I've only, I've only tweeted one, <laughs> one, one thing, I think maybe two. And I think I've retreated one thing. So it's, I'm not really trying on the Twitter, on the Twitter side of things. Right. Right. Yes, you're and, I d- not trying. and I don't use my name because the whole thing weirded me out. You know, I, I wanted to have a Twitter account so I could follow like you guys, but um, 
the the whole I don't know if he is awfully exposed. And so I <clears throat> called myself Fage type 30 <laughs> after <laughs> after a salmonella like you do. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And so like nobody would know if they were looking for me, you know. But, but, it, but it does list your name as Linda J. Harris. It well. does. It yeah. does. I Yeah. But there's a picture of a of a ceramic almond. Uh, yeah. Well, and you could sit in my face. Yeah, and you could go in and change that name to anything you want, right? Uh, I could. It's harder to change the the Twitter name, I think. The you know the at the thing, the handle, uh, but the ha- mm-hmm. yes, the, yes, the handle. But I thought the Fosh Type Thirty was kind of cool at the time. I, I could go I make so a whole cool. new account if I wanted to, and right? Then oh, but, I then could, you, but then yeah. you'd be like, what, why would you be getting? You'd be you know orphaning those those. Poor 100 people that followed you in the yeah, but, you would say you know, something. If I started actually tweeting, then maybe I could get more. You're, yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, if you started tweeting, your K index is going to go up. That's. I think that's really the goal here. Is let's see who who can get the highest K index. Well, maybe maybe after this podcast, people will <laughs> go and just follow me to help me get. I'd like to get over one. I'd like a K index of over one. Yeah, one is that's. I mean, I think that's what your goal is, right? Like. Yeah. Uh, you want to be uh, as expected based on your citations. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So then we so have. We'll, the- so we'll we'll link to Fodge Type Thirty in the show notes, and and everybody, uh, please <laughs> do a, do a do a pity follow uh, for Linda, please. <laughs> and and sim- don't worry, it's not going to explode your Twitter box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and also while you're at it, cite my papers more. <laughs> oh, and just to be clear, <laughs> Linda is not is not a very heavy uh, Twitter follow. Her last tweet uh, was prior to the IAFP annual meeting uh, of 2018, so it's, it's been almost up. one year since she's tweeted. <laughs> well, there's lots of times when I think, oh, I should re- retweet tweet this but then i get i was like oh well maybe i shouldn't and then <laughs> and then there's sometimes when i think oh maybe i should comment on this but then i think no maybe i just shouldn't so i don't i've never commented on anybody's tweet actually I'm a very private person, you know, you are <laughs> know you this. Are. We know this. This is this is why you've been reluctant to appear on the podcast, despite our constant uh, urging. <laughs> but I'm here now and I'm having a great time. <laughs> we've we've spent a whole hour just talking about stuff. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we had another challenge this week. Which I sprung yeah. up. Uh, uh, yeah, sprung, <laughs> this is a challenge podcast. Now. This is a challenge podcast. Challenge, challenge. Uh, which is uh, calculate your uh, Erdos Erdos I number. I couldn't figure out how to do that, honestly. So, yeah. so I only had. So uh, I sent I sent you guys a link. So uh, what this is is uh, the number. Uh, it's the collaborative distance between um, a guy who is a, a a very highly collaborative mathematician, Paul Erdos. Um, and another person as measured by the authorship of mathematical papers. Um, and so how, how, how far are we away from, from Paul Erdos? Um, and um, I thought from, from the Wikipedia um, page as well, um, where was this? Uh, maybe it wasn't in this. There's something in the Paul Erdos number that, like, <laughs> Danica McKellar from the Wonder Years has a Paul Erdos number of four i think um because she is a mathematician she I is thought. yes mm-hmm. um and then uh 
um, Natalie Portman has a, a Erdos number of nine. Yeah. So Don, <laughs> did you? Yeah, there you go. Dan, Dan uh, eleven. Natalie Portman has. Uh, oh no, hang on a second. She her Erdos number is five, and that these were actually uh, something else on a variation, which is the Bacon number uh, from the uh, show Friends. Um, of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And so, in fact, Danica McKellar has an Erdos Bacon number combining their sum of two. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, somehow. So she, because she was, I don't know. I don't know how this all works. Anyway. See, I think in food microbiology, it should be the Larry Bouchard number. Yes. Yeah. Right? Oh, then, I, then, I, then I'm, uh, uh, what would that be? A zero? A one. Zero, right? You're a one. A one, yeah. Unless you're Larry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Larry zero, right. Yeah, Larry's got Larry zero, and then you're a one, um, and I would be a two. Um, but yes, I agree. But this one, so so Don, did you get a did you get an Erdos number? I I was not able to calculate one, but I calculated one historically. Um, uh, and so basically, and so now everybody in Food Micro can figure out their Erdos number because they can figure out how many degrees they are separated from me. So so ma, and that'll give them at least a, a, an estimate, right? So my Erdos number is five. And the reason why I know that is that, that Rick Ludisher, who's a physical chemist in our department, has an Erdos number of three because he's, he's collaborated. He wrote a paper with somebody that has an Erdos number of two. So Rick is a three, which means that – and Rick is published with people in our department that I've also published with. So, 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 so Tom Montville, for example. So, so Rick is three. Tom is four. I publish with Tom. So I'm five. I also so that would, make, that would make me six? If you publish with me, unless, unless you publish with Tom, uh, no, 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 no. Just so you're you. so so you would be that then you would be six, and then uh, same same with Ben. I'm a five. Oh why? Because <laughs> I, I well so and this is this is a uh, or, or I will be a five. So I have a collaborator here at NC State, Eric Labor, who's a statistician who has a uh, number right. of four, um, and. Uh, um, he and I – let me see. I think I put this – I just put it into uh, um, a screenshot. He and I uh, in 2017 had a uh, um, uh, co- co-authored a presentation at, uh, at IAFP that is in uh, manuscript preparation right now. Evaluation of grocery store food safety audits for patterns in hand washing and temperature compliance. And so that will put uh, Tom Ford as well as uh, Natalie Seymour, who is one of my staff members, uh, also at an Erdos number of five. Aren't you special? Well, and yeah, I am. I, I was very happy that I actually was able to do this. I was like, who do I know in math? And then I ran through another guy, um, Dave Marks, who I collaborated with on the um, uh, Steck and Beef pro- Project. Uh, but there are too many Dave Marks to figure out which one's the right one. Uh, so I don't know what their address numbers are or his is, and then but Eric Labor I knew so. Very so there cool. you go, but yeah so I mean we could do a, a Beauchat, uh number I I really think it'd be like one or two for everybody. Yep, <laughs> I think you're right. Like like there's no well for uh, us for us it would yeah. be yeah yeah pretty much so uh, I wonder but, what the but furthest. in the future you know I mean Erdos. I think in the math world was he passed away in 96, I think. Great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. Gotcha. So, you know, like in the future, uh, it it will have more meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
He published more papers in his lifetime, 1,525, wow. than any other mathematician in history. Huh. Well, you That's know, a, it's pretty easy to publish in math. <laughs> so you just write some write some numbers down. Here's yeah. my math. I wrote my yeah. math. Any any mathematicians out there? Please please email Ben. Yeah, let him know. Let, let, let that's uh, you can contact me at at bug counter on Twitter. <laughs> please tweet at me. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So so yeah. So all right. Well, we met, we did our we did our challenge. We got we got Linda here. Um, I want to, uh, oh, before we do something else, I just want to do a real quick, uh, shout out, um, to the Kathy glass lab who listened to the podcast. I actually got a chance to uh, chat, uh, with a couple of members, uh, while I was in Madison this week. So big shout out to Max golden, um, who works for Kathy and then a lovely young lady who I don't remember her name. And I apologize that I spent a, a long time chatting with her about her poster. I think she was really nervous, but, um, uh, we had a great chat about her. Her, her research on uh, listeria in uh, soft cheeses. So, so big big shout out to the Kathy Glass Lab. Thanks for listening, and it was it was great to talk with you guys uh, this week in Madison. Well, that's cool. Um, can I give a shout out too to two people? Since we're sure. shout out. Sure. So, um, the first person is uh, Aaron DiCaprio at UC Davis for inviting me to come hang out at Davis last week, and uh, and that uh, that let me hang out with Linda. So that was it was awesome. Um, the other one is a shout out to someone who um, likes to remain non- anonymous, and I'm not going to give any opsec away. But uh, uh, Don, um, uh, I saw Deep New England yesterday. Oh, uh, nice! And and Deep New England says hi to us both. Wow, um, she gets around. She does. She does. Was, so was she was in California. I'm, no. no, I'm just saying no opsec. Oh, yeah, no op-sec. Op- we're going to pre- we're going to preserve opsec uh, on this. But uh, but yeah. Um, Got to got to spend some time with uh, with Deep New England, so um, thanks so for I, all, all the good stuff. I'm gonna since we're giving shout outs. Yeah. I think I think Don, um, we should give a shout out to Jian Zhang, uh, who was Don's graduate student and he was a postdoc in my lab, and I know she listens to the podcast, so I think she'd be very excited to have that shout out. And I got to meet her last week. Uh, you did, oh, yeah, did, yeah. So that was that was cool, and she said. I went to Rutgers, and I think you know someone at Rutgers. I said, <laughs> said I do know somebody at Rutgers. Is it uh, the famous Robin Miranda who of uh, the Five Second Five fame. Second Rule? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, so so cool. Um, so all right, so Linda, there, like I've got some stuff that I want to like. I want to. We, we're not just having you on just to talk about how I'm late and how Skype doesn't work all the time the way that we wanted to. Um, so I want to know, I, I, like, I have some questions for you. Um, Good. And this is, uh, this is where we get to be like all, uh, all insightful and, um, you know, it's, it's long form, right? This is, it's like a magazine. This isn't a, it's not a newspaper or a radio or a TV interview. So, um, I use you as the and this this might this isn't uh, me just like uh you know being real oh, nice wait, to guest. Ben, oh, ben, yeah. before we do that just one oh more one more thing do we have to say um, something to our sponsors well so, yeah. something you <laughs> yes. really like yes so uh so someone someone listened to um our interview with larry uh he had a question for us he said uh please provide a link 
to the full set of Food Safety Talk podcasts. And so I just want to say to anyone who's listening to this, um, if you want to know how to get more episodes, um, you can go to foodsafetytalk.com and uh, there's directions on how to do that. So so big shout out to those that um, want to find more Food Safety Talk podcasts. Well, excellent. Yes. Go, go download them. Um, and, and listen. And, and listen. Download and listen, please. <laughs> um, so, so here's here's the thing, Linda. You know, I, I use you and your experience as one, and th- this isn't gonna like. I don't want to be trite with this, and I don't want to <laughs> be like overly nice. But I, 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 your experience with the almond industry to me is one of the sort of greatest examples of me being on the outside of of seeing this, of an industry academic partnership that that went to change how something was done because of a problem that they had and i use i I use the so here's i'm going to tell you my like version of it but i want to hear your version so my quick my quick version is a couple of pretty big outbreaks linked to raw almonds in like 99 and 2000 uh salmonella and and raw almonds something like that that's a starting point um big 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 deal lots of lots of recalls um and uh over the last like 20 years um you've been part of and i think a driving force in trying to figure out first of all how the salmonella got there what are what are the risk factors in the production harvest and um you know processing packing of of almonds and then secondarily what do you do about it and then and so that that's like one piece and i think that we don't we often work with industries that are not as not as open to that, like like fixing a um, fixing an issue, um, as I don't know completely or, or succinctly, um, and and then second secondarily, because of that, um, you know, moving forward, almonds aren't the only nuts, right? Like there's there's lots of other things out there that I don't even know if an almond's a nut. Um, I think it is, uh, but maybe it's a legume. Um, and uh, I think you're thinking of peanuts. I think I'm thinking of peanuts. I don't know. You're thinking uh, of peanuts. And it's a cashews? It, it's a, a ca- droop. Is a cashew a nut? Wait, is this tell turning Michelle, into, tell is this turning into a bit? How many, how, many kinds, yes. how many kinds of nuts can you name, man? <laughs> Macadamia nut, peanut, peanut, uh, cashew nut, <laughs> cashew nut. Uh, okay. So anyway, but but now <laughs> what I'm trying to say is. Um, because of that work, you you have been part of moving forward in air, uh, other nut areas like pistachios, pistachios, however you pronounce it, you know, um, walnuts. I mean, so so anyway, I I think it's if I think about a case study of of an industry that that had a problem, they they probably found the right you know person or people, and but I but I think largely you to drive that that change and then embraced it and said, okay, we're going to change. Not only now that we know about where where it's coming from and how how it gets here, we can't really just like st- you know stop harvesting here because of soil <laughs> contaminants. Like we have to figure out what to do. Now, like we have an answer, but the answer isn't what we wanted, so we have to change what the product is. And that's that. Like truthfully, I think that's really unique. Like I don't, I can't think of many other examples that didn't involve regulation to to. Um, to change the safety of, the pro- of a product. So anyway, I just, I, what's your, like, <laughs> that's my perspective on it. What's your perspective? <laughs> Is, did I get the story kind of a little bit right? Kind of a little bit right. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
so yeah it, so i um i got to davis in uh 96 and um you know really didn't know a whole lot about produce but well, um let's 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 be very clear in in 1996 you very closely prior to that you very closely beat out another candidate who was also <laughs> highly <true>. qualified <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, so and, the story goes. Then, so the story goes. I heard I, I I forgot about this part of the story. Don Schaffner and Linda Harris interviewed for the same job at UC Davis, and only one of us got the job at UC Davis. <laughs> and, and we both went on to fame and glory. We did. We did. Actually, and and it gets more interesting because before I went to the University of Guelph, which is right after I graduated at NC State, which is where Ben oh is gosh. now. Um, I was op- Tom Montville offered me a, a postdoc, and if I hadn't gotten the job at Guelph, I would have done a postdoc at Rutgers. And you know, yeah, it. it <laughs> I just Holy often want, I often wonder, you know, if if I'd taken that fork in the road, uh, you know, where would I be today? So well, interesting. And, and- just to just to make it a full circle, um, when I was a graduate student at University of Georgia, a gentleman by the name of Bob Brackett, who you may have heard of, had just come to Georgia from a faculty position at NC State, which was in fact the position that was later the essentially the position that was was turned into Ben's position. And after Bob left, I think it was vacant the entire time. <laughs> did, I, did I get that waiting, story right? Waiting for the perfect perfect person mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not entirely true. Uh, there was a uh, Angie Fraser Edith, was in this position uh, before oh, me. Oh, sorry, editorial but, license. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but getting back to so so then in uh, in in uh, 2001 when the first outbreak uh, of salmonellosis um, related to almonds was unfolding, and it actually was an Ontario Canada right. outbreak at the uh, bulk barn. That was just the bulk barn in in truth, yes. And uh, so that was discovered up there. And of course, California being the 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 one place where North American almonds are grown. Um, I got a call from the Almond Board of California, which is a a federal marketing order. And uh, there was a Canadian at the uh, at at the Almond Board, Karen Lapsley who kind of said, you know, I think there's a Canadian up at UC Davis that works on salmonella. We should give her a call. And so that really was uh, the start of of me um, uh, engaging with the almond industry. I knew nothing <laughs> about almonds. But within a week, I was, I was being driven around um, California uh, to, to go and look at almond orchards um, and to 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 get a you know the the real quick version of how uh, they're grown and and harvested and what the what the issues might be, and then um, right around the time the the outbreak investigation was winding down, which was probably so this outbreak spread from December-ish to the recall was in April. So it, it, it was a, you know, an unusual vehicle took a long time to figure out what was going on. There were two kind of waves, um, of, of the outbreak, the first in December, January, and the second more in March, April. And so the second wave of, of cases came through and, and that's where they uh, pinned down that it was raw almonds. Um, and then that led to a really, 
a really interesting uh, trace back investigation that that went all the way to the farm. And so, yeah, the the almond board um, was ramping up uh, at the time. They hadn't quite hit a billion pound crop, but they knew that was coming because it takes, you know, three to three to five years to between planting and and starting to to really harvest a, a crop. So that, you know they kind of know what they're inching up to, and they knew that they were on a trajectory to to increase beyond a billion pounds, and they knew that. <laughs> Having salmonella hanging over their head wasn't wasn't going to be a um, a good a good thing to have, and so yeah, I mean they've uh, it's been a really really uh, good relationship over the last twenty almost twenty years, yeah, almost twenty years, um, where where I've had a lot of opportunity to to do research on the farm trying to understand uh, salmonella and its behavior in orchards and then uh, during harvest and post-harvest activities and and um, and then all the way down to to processing methodologies and um, yeah so they had their first outbreak in in 2000 2001 a lot of people thought it was kind of you know this was one of the first outbreaks related to tree nuts everybody thought it was an oddity you know, one-off. Um, and, uh, you know, we started, they, they, they were very gutsy, you know, they, they funded us that first year to, um, so in 2001 to actually do a survey of raw almonds, uh, from California to see if we could find salmonella in, in raw almonds. And that's not everybody wants to go out, you know, on that limb. Um, yeah, to potentially expose themselves, but but the almond board really said no. We we got to know, and um, so what they found out was that well, there's salmonella can be in raw almonds, low low prevalence, low numbers, but but it's there. And by the time the second outbreak happened with raw almonds in 2004, which was largely that outbreak was largely identified by Bill Keene up in Oregon and his super sleuthing um, to, to figure that out. But by the time 2004 outbreak came around, we really had a, a core uh, amount of information that allowed the industry to, to move forward pretty rapidly in response to that second outbreak. And what they ended up doing, which they could do as a federal marketing order, was to actually um, introduce their own uh, regulation through the the uh, USDA AMS, the Agricultural Marketing Service, which is what the marketing orders are under. And so, as an industry, they they wrote and developed a uh, a rule, a regulation that um, essentially requires almonds from California uh, sold anywhere in North America. So to Mexico, any of the states and into Canada um, that they have to be treated in some way to uh, reduce populations of salmonella by a theoretical um, four log reduction or a hundred thousand fold reduction. So yeah, that is, it's a lot of people don't a realized that it wasn't an FDA regulation. Right. A lot of people, a lot of people don't know that um, there is a regulation. Um, it's um, 
and the way in which it was set up was it, it has lots of checks and balances in it. Uh, it's a really robust um, regulation that I think has really allowed the industry to continue on that trajectory that I was talking about before. Um, and now the crop is over 2 billion pounds. Um, the, the rule went through really fast. Um, like I say, they started developing it after 2004. It went into effect in 2007, which, as you know, with rulemaking, that's pretty fast. And um, so they've been under that, that rule since, since 2007. And they continue... They continue to fund research um, in food safety in order to to just under you know they want to understand more. Uh, they want to make sure that they're not gonna that they are doing the right thing and that uh, it continues to be the right thing to do, right? And so um, they they really are forward thinking. I think as a as an organization and a, as as an industry and. Part of that is because they have a, a very, very strong marketing order structure. So they have a lot of staff that work in the in the food safety space, and um, and so and and they are. I think their board has been very receptive to uh, funding research, not only in food safety, but in a lot of a lot of different areas. And so um, that I think makes them a very very strong industry, and and I think yes, um, one that people have have pointed to as as a as a positive way of tackling an issue. And in fact, this year at IFP, they're they're going to be awarded with the GMA Food Safety Award, which I think is a really well well deserved recognition. Yeah, yeah and the, the the thing that I like about the story, just because of my own particular interest in this, is that um, they. When they went forward with with what the what the log reduction was going to be, the original idea was well, it was going to be a five log reduction, which is, you know, common <clears throat> for juices and and uh, and and so and people have a general a comfort level, yeah. right? It's a default um, unless unless you use six, um, you know. But <laughs> we can we can get when we've talked many times on the podcast about about that. But what I love about it is it's a perfect example of a risk management decision. And so they, I think the original discussions were like, what about a five log? They went back and forth with some of the implicated or the impacted industry and, and looked at the, you know, what, what the, what the baseline level of risk was and they netted out with four and, and that's a risk management decision, it, but it was right. informed by the science. And that's, that's what, that's what I love about it. So, um, and, and again, it, it's, it's, it's actually kind of nice that we have another, we have another number out there that for almonds, the number is four. Um, because if if it was five, then everybody would just get this idea. Well, five is the right number, but it's no. There's, right. there's not. There's not a right, right. number. It's right. it's a number that's based on a process, and in this case, the process led to a number of four, and that's and that's fine. Well, and and that actually, thank you for reminding me, Don, of your involvement in this whole in this whole thing, because well, that it's, it's all about me, Linda. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it, it's a, it's a good part of the story because, um, you know, by the time the second outbreak happened and they were they were thinking of pulling this regulation together, we we had a. Uh, some survey data, right? And we had some survival data, and we had so we had the beginnings of the data needed for a risk assessment. And typically, industry doesn't fund their own risk assessments, although it can happen. But but uh, I basically said, you know, we need to contact this guy Don Schaffner, um, 
and because he does risk assessments and we need to we need to get some numbers here we need to put some numbers around what what this what is going on and so you know that's where michelle daniluk um all the red yards yeah. why i like this story yeah well yeah i mean she she came into my lab right as this was unfolding and um i mean it was a perfect phd uh project she got to do so many different things with uh it really it was all it was all new like everything we were doing nobody had a clue what what was going on and so everything was new and interesting and and so it was really a fun a lot of hard work (laughs) a lot of uh hours on the road and and uh early mornings and um a lot of stress because you know we were trying to make sure we weren't making any mistakes um, in in inf- helping to inform this risk management decision. But ultimately, yes, the um, the risk assessment and the data we had and the model that we we developed initially was used to to help inform that four log reduction decision in in the rule. And um, and luckily, uh, when we went back a few years later, uh, I think six years later, and did a second, risk assessment with the additional data we had, um, you know, it came out with the same conclusions. And then FDA took a lot of our data and, and, and you know, and analyzed it in different ways than we did, but but they ultimately came out with the, with the same conclusion that, you know, forelog uh, is protective of public health. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great story and um one that i you know i'm extremely proud to have been part of um anyway as you mentioned uh there are you know other tree nuts <laughs> out there and in california we are um a major uh producer of walnuts and pistachios and so by the time um in 2009 there were a couple of recalls with walnuts and pistachios and um so I was able to work with those industries, um, but we could we could kind of uh, condense the time it took to get to a similar place for almonds because we didn't have to kind of do some of the some of the preliminary work or figuring out things. We already had a system in place, and so we could be smart about what um, what experiments we did to to get the biggest bang for the buck, I guess. And so we also recently, um, 2017, published with Don again, um, a risk assessment for pistachios and also uh, shared all of our data with FDA, who also came out with a um, risk assessment for pistachios. So um, coming to a similar conclusion, um, three, four log, depending on, on on the type of pistachio you have. And then, of course, Michelle went on to do a lot of research um, to complement Larry Bouchard's work on pecans. Um, we only grow a few pecans in uh, California. Um, and so that also, FDA has published a risk assessment there, and our data um, helped inform FDA's risk assessment of walnuts. So, yeah, um, it's... Uh, it's it's been very rewarding to to be part of all of it, and I think it is a really really great story and a and a nice model um, story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's really unique. I, I don't think there are uh, um, 
as many and and the, like again being on the outside I'm, I'm sure there there are times when there were difficult conversations and some conflict in this relationship and in partnership where it's like you know i think we should do this or no or what is that going to mean from a market standpoint all of those things i i get that these are these are real tough decisions but but when you know i i, uh, I you know compared to um my experiences working in fresh produce um you know reading about sort of the history of um what happened in um you know 93 to 96 with meat this is this is unique. This is kind of special, mm-hmm. right? Like this is not this is not how other. It, it really is for me a model of if you want to have, um, if you, it, I use I use the almond uh, story as a model of a, a a good food safety culture. Like this is something that matters um, to right. to the industry that that you know do it like exactly like you said. Just just going out there and doing that industry wide survey. Um, you know, my, uh, microbial surveys like that stuff like that does doesn't happen from from the industry right. standpoint. Um, and so it's yeah, it's one I I um, I've always been in awe um, sort of of this because I I don't think it I, I can't think of any other examples um, out there. Yeah, the the nice thing I, I felt that um, that what they did they kept asking, okay, we've done that. What do we need to do next? Right. What's the next step? We, you, you know, we've we funded that research project. You've found, you know, found some things out. What do we need, need to do right. next? And, and who's best to do it? Because I'm not going to I mean, I did a lot of work, but they also funded a lot of other people um, in the in the food safety space, um, knowing that, you know, they had to uh, go with the people who had the expertise. And so I was never pretending to have all the expertise. But um, I. I uh, it was refreshing to have that um, kind of conversation uh, to be able to say, no, you know, I really think this is the next thing you need to do. And, um, you know, we we funded, they funded um, three years of survey data initially. And then we, you know, we, we went a little bit further and I said, well, you know, I think we need to understand this a little bit more, the distribution of salmonella in the products. So, you know, one more, one more, um, they ended up doing a nine years worth of survey, um, you know, almost 15,000 samples, which is really, it's a huge, huge data set that, that really is remarkable. Now that's not to say that, you know, some of my ideas about what should be done next, um, ever came to fruition. Um, some of them, I, we couldn't figure out how to, how to do them, you know, so for the survey worked because we were able to do it in a blinded fashion. So all of the product was collected, um, uh, immediately out of the, of the huller shellers, which is before it goes into any kind of processing or sorting. Uh, they were coded by not me, you know, and, uh, another laboratory that uh, was under contract, they were coded. Um, so I, you know, all, I've never been able to go back and try and figure out regional distribution or right, ask right. any other kind of question. It was, so that was, that was, uh, I think what you have to do with some of these studies is to, is to give up on some of the data in order to get any data. And, um, 
and so that's why that part worked. And so there were there were some other studies that um, we couldn't figure out how to how to do this study without um, you know creating more potentially more harm than good. And and so some of them some of them we we ultimately didn't do. Um, but overall, I think uh, you know a tremendous amount of uh, research uh, is out there. Uh, and, and that has helped inform other other um, groups. So, you know, that I think in 2001 was really the beginning of, of the renewal of appreciation of low moisture foods as contributing to foodborne illness. As we knew about it in the 60s, you know, the, in the 60s, it was skim milk powder and um, egg powder and salmonella and, and, and maybe some coconut outbreaks back then and, you know, a little bit on chocolate. And those problems kind of got solved and everybody forgot about low moisture foods. And then, you know, our techniques got better uh, at detecting outbreaks and putting stuff together. And then, you know, almonds and then you know in the last in the last decade we've seen spices and flour and um just a whole host of low moisture foods uh, not just almonds all you know just a, almost every other nut has has been all involved in at least one outbreak and so it really um it helped that the almond board had funded a lot of this research because it really helped inform uh, other industries. It's not that they can just borrow all the data, but it it was out there to, okay, this is how this was done. You know, this is what we need to do for our product to to understand uh, the relative risk. Um, so that, that was really good. They did a lot of, they were very particular because part of the rule that they set up was that uh, you had to have validated processes and there was a specific way in which those processes, uh, the validation is reviewed. And um, early on, the, the AMA board wanted a very standardized approach so that they could be comparing uh, reports that were, would be coming in on these uh, pieces of equipment and the validation, they, they set up guidelines. You have to do it this way. <laughs> you have to do it our way. Um, so that we can compare you across the board because, you know, 100 people doing different kinds of validation studies, they wanted to be comparable. And that was huge. Um, as, as you know, Don, people don't like, people like doing their own method. Um, uh -huh. right. and, and so it makes it challenging to compare, you know, A to B when they're two different methods, right? You know, while you're using a different strain, you're doing a different thing, you're doing a different inoculation procedure. The, the AMA board said, no, no. Right. If you're, if you're going to follow this, this is, and they p published a document. And since then, a lot of other people have used a similar document. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, you know, uh, uh, it's the only way to do things, but it really strengthened, I think, the, the volume of, of data that that was generated um, in response to this regulation because it's all so uh, comparable in, in the literature, which is a rarity um, in right, most cases. Right, and and even and even if they couldn't follow, um, if they, even if they couldn't use the data, they could follow the approach, and I think that's been mm -hmm. a real benefit. So so I'm not I'm not quite ready to leave the topic of almonds because before we do I want I want Linda to ask answer the question um why pasteurized almonds are toxic um but but before we do that 
before we do that, I wanted since since Michelle Daniluk's name came up and since she's been uh, literally literally texting us during the podcast with an important question, I want to get this question out there and then and then perhaps return to the question about toxic uh, pasteurized almonds. And so, um, uh, uh, Michelle texts us as as she often does with a question, which I'm surprised that she doesn't know the answer to. And the question is: Have any of you guys ever seen commercial fresh cutting of melons? And then a follow up question: Can you describe it to me? Um, so, so my question for the two of you, have you ever seen it and can you describe it? And then if not, then we'll put this out to our, our larger listener base. If anyone knows about, um, uh, commercial fresh cutting of melons, um, please, uh, send Michelle a flow diagram, um, because she wants to know about this. So, so, uh, just a, just a, you know, a shout out there to all of the listeners. Uh, but first, uh, since, since I have the two of you here, Ben and Linda, um, uh, have you ever seen commercial fresh cutting of melons? I'm going to answer this in a the, not the way that Michelle wants me to answer it, which I have, but not the commercial fresh cut of cantaloupes or melons that she's thinking of. I've seen it done a lot of times at retail um, where fresh cut processing is happening in a, um, in a, in a prep kitchen uh, type area, uh, but it's all hand cut. And I think what she's probably, um, my guess, is that she's looking for some stuff that might be related to um, – uh, a, a recall or an outbreak. Uh, that's it's happening. ongoing. That's you ongoing. Know, you know who yeah. would know would probably be people that work at Cato Foods. I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would call up Cato and well, ask a little bit about that. Yeah, I've seen a. I've seen videos. Um, I can't recall if I've actually been in a facility, but um, she should talk to Trevor. So he's Ooh. he's been in Trevor Suslow. He's been in a lot of facilities. So yeah, not, not not well known to us. Uh, not not a guest on the podcast. Never asked I know. to be on the podcast. Probably I doesn't know. listen to the podcast. I don't um, think he probably listens. But anyway, <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll text. Right. I'll text while, while Linda while you. <laughs> he's a busy busy man. Okay, so, so so I don't so Linda, like you using the word toxic and almond in the same no. sentence. Right, right. But we want to let's come back to the link from a link that Ben said. Blame yes. Ben. Yeah. Okay. So living, I want to, I want to highlight something. This is part of the reason why I like, I file these things away and it comes across. I got this link was shared, uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, by someone who I'm friends with on Facebook that I know through, uh, hockey, not food at all. And it was, and this is, so this is part of the almond story for me because I don't think, um, I like I, I wouldn't have anticipated this if I was in um, in your your situation. But as a result, so we have this um, processing of uh, you know of raw almonds with uh, steam pasteurization. There's a this huge backlash for people looking for non steam pasteurized raw truly raw 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 almonds. <laughs> <laughs> Triple raw, double raw almonds. Triple and, raw almonds. Yeah. So, so there's. So I got this link, and it says why. And it was. This is a really interesting one because if you look at the the the, it's from a blog that I'd never heard of called Living Hole, and um, Hole Living Hole is in W H O L E, not O H O L E. Um, why you should you should think twice about buying raw almonds at the store and. Right from the social media standpoint, you know, you've got the little bar of how many times it's been shared. This has got 984 shares on Facebook and two tweets. So it, this is a this one's built for Facebook. This has got Facebook shares all over it. Um, it it's written by uh, Megan, who runs Living Hole, um, or maybe is part of I, this. 
I, I think her name is Heart Megan, not Megan. Heart Megan, Heart Megan. Um, anyway, she also has a banner at the top of her website, or there is a banner, it may not be hers, but that says, check out my ebook for the specific protocol I used to heal my Crohn's naturally. Which I think, I, I think that is Megan. It, might, it must be Megan, yeah. Um, I, that, I'm skeptical about that, about uh, healing Crohn's naturally. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that's, that's the first part. But let's go into the, the article. I love almonds. Who doesn't? When I started living a healthy lifestyle 10 years ago, I started eating nuts, but not just any nut, raw, organic, or almonds. I'd order them buy five-pound case from our local food co-op, make all sorts of raw creations from smoothies to flour. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, then I discovered that when it comes to almonds, raw and organic aren't synonymous and healthy, that raw is, isn't real, um, it's not raw. And here's my favorite part, the a subsection that says, why are almonds pasteurized? A few years ago, after a salmonella scare was traced back to raw almonds, and I, I always love it when an outbreak is just called a scare, um, the USDA decided that virtually all raw almonds had to be pasteurized. Huh, Instead wait, wait, of, so, oh, no, no, US, no, I'm, I'm not done yet. No, okay. no. We got, well, that's correct, actually. Because um, of the marking order. Yeah. yeah. And, and you well, guys well, know that as you're tweeting to Michelle, every time I get a, a tweet or a, a thing, a, a bell goes off and is really <laughs> annoying. So could you tell Michelle just to leave it alone for Actually, what, a while? What, what, no, because it's Michelle. Um, uh, we had a very good text conversation about dragon fruit the other day, so I will not do that. But, Linda, we should give you a – now we're like – we're three steps deep in the regression here in the, in the stack. Um, uh, <laughs> we, we need to teach you, Linda, how to mute a text conversation. So well, while you I desperately I will, would love to do I, that. I will uh, while, <laughs> while while you continue talking, I will research this and report back. <laughs> okay. So um, yes, USDA decided that virtually all raw almonds had to be pasteurized. And, and then but this is my favorite part. Instead of addressing the environment that caused the contamination, they attacked the nut. Pasteurization would eliminate the risk of contamination by utilizing a special fumigation process. They could still be labeled as, quote, raw. People have been deceived into thinking this process is safe ever since. Um, and, and so there's more of this. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, but it's toxic, and it's a, a, a dangerous thing. Um, there's another concern about the almonds related to pasteurization process itself. Almonds can be pasteurized with steam, high heat, blanching, or fumigation. If almonds are steam pasteurized or fumigated, they can still be classified as raw. Steam pasteurization kills the living properties of an almond, uh, breaks fat bonds, and oxidizes these molecules into free radicals, creating potentially harmful levels of acrylamide. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So this is what okay, I got. So, yeah. So, uh, Yeah. Okay, so there's a couple of things here. It is USDA because USDA AMS, right? But it yeah. wasn't the USDA that decided. It just happens to be that the USDA is where the regulation uh, for treating almonds is located. So, um, the, the as you know, there is no definition of raw, right? Uh, and so uh, the for in the in the marketplace, raw for nuts, and it's not just almonds. Raw for nuts is used to mean it's not roasted. Okay, so uh, you know you can you can argue about whether that's a complete enough disclosure, but um, 
the processes that are used to um, treat almonds or other nuts uh, to to reduce salmonella uh, are varied. And, uh, you know, in the last uh, 15 years, a lot of new processes have come on board, not only for almonds, but for the whole low moisture food category. So spices and everything. And, and the idea is, is that you, you want to, uh, reduce the, the, the organisms, but you want to leave the raw like qualities. So the texture, the flavor, uh, they want, you know, they should be as close to a raw almond uh, as possible. And so um, there are a variety of different processes that can be used. Um, most of the heat treatments are um, short um, and, and high uh, temperature, or in the ca case of steam, it's because steam is a much more effective heat treatment than dry heat. So wet heat is more effective than dry heat. And so steam allows them to get, you know, to apply uh, some steam and, and mostly the contaminant, it's on the outside. So you're really steaming the outside and then you are um, drying it off to get it back down to the original moisture. So it's a, it's a relatively quick process and it's a process that, um, as I said, there's all different ones that different manufacturers use. Um, but, uh, this idea that pasteurized almonds or treated almonds are dead almonds, uh, is, it, you know, there's not evidence of that. Um, that there, you know, there are studies comparing uh, both. And so to say that they have poor nutrient content or cannot sprout, um, I will say that even if you take raw almonds and this idea that you can sprout a, 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 a raw almond um, is, is a little crazy um, because the almonds you buy in the store um, were not meant to turn into uh, almond trees, and uh, the 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 process uh, that the the almond tree is developed for making a a new tree involve you know uh, the fall the, the 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 almond with the shell and the hull on it dropping to the ground and sitting there for months under cool wet conditions and then some somewhere in the spring, you know, uh, deciding it's ready to. To develop into a tree, you know, um, and then this picture of, uh, you know, that picture I'm on their website now, that yeah. picture to, to even say that, that something could mold within a few hours right. it is like over the top ridiculous. And, um, that photo is, uh, I have no idea what that photo is of, but that's not a photo of almonds that have been sitting in um, water for a few hours. That's ridiculous. And we've actually recently done experiments on soaking almonds. Um, and we have actually been able to, because I have connections, right? We've been able to actually get completely raw almonds to do our experiments. And I can assure you that... Um, that doesn't happen. Um, so I think this is, you know, this is a, a long, you know, right from the very beginning, there were people who uh, said, uh, who, who were upset um, about this. Uh, pasteurized almonds are toxic. If you look further down, um, you know, acrylamide, acrylamide happens with high heat, typically dry heat, you know, so there's, 
more chance of acrylamide to be in a roasted almond uh, than there is to be in a uh, steam pasteurized or uh, and definitely not in a fumigated um, almond. So, um, and I do not believe um, the fumigation uh, is propylene oxide, and I do not believe that's used by anybody in the organic industry. So this idea, another misstatement here to say that um, they can be classified as raw and organic. So anyway, I'm just going to say that um, there's a lot of misinformation of um on here. And then and they, they go on about propylene oxide. This, you know, propylene oxide is a recognized treatment um, it, under specific controlled conditions. The uh, levels of re residual propylene oxide um, are very low at the time of shipping and, and, and then uh, further um, uh, off gas um, during during transportation and shipping. So, um, so I'll just, so Linda, so Linda, yeah, I, I, long, I, long wind there, but that's no, it's good. So, so what you should do, I want you to pick up your phone. Okay. And then go to the conference, go to the <laughs> it's conversation. Not my, it's not my phone. Oh, it's, 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 oh, my it's messages. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I got, I've, I've, I have to, I, uh, sorry. I turned off, you know, He's got a reason. I, yeah, we, I close the, the messages on my laptop and it keeps popping back oh, up and oh, I'm like, okay. God, um, <laughs> So I, no, that no. one I actually know too. Oh, okay. So if you go to messages, yeah, and then go to oh. the message part and go yeah. to preferences, preferences, it, it take uh, the, it, there's somewhere in there that says play sound effects under general and unclick the sound effects. And you could also go to the text conversation, click details, and and then check do not disturb. <laughs> okay. I can't find either, but uh, that's okay. Um, so the other thing I want to say is that uh, Hart Megan very helpfully um, does give a place where um, she sources her um, oh, yeah. uh, not non-toxic raw almonds, <laughs> and it's a link to a, uh, a, a Amazon uh, web web uh, web uh, uh, link to Amazon, uh, and it's uh, Terrasol uh, Superfoods raw unpasteurized organic almonds sprouted comma two pounds and. Uh, you can go in there and you can read product reviews. You can read about somebody who claims to have gotten food poisoning. Um, uh, go in and look at this one of the one-star so, reviews where so, they got food poisoning. It's it's, very, it's really it's it's fascinating stuff. So I encourage everybody to go check it out. So so what's being sold right now is sprouted. Speaking of misinformation, what's being sold as sprouted almonds is really just soaked it in water for for a day or so. Almonds um, and if they are truly raw, then they've been imported. Um, yeah, they're they're from Spain. They're sourced, they're sourced, they're yeah. sourced from Spain. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I have, you know, so then uh, you've got other issues of um, sourcing uh, and shipping and carbon footprints um, See, compared thing, Linda, to if, to purchasing if, product from you know grown people, in the U.S. If people <laughs> want to get food poisoning from Spanish almonds, yeah. and the marketplace allows that. that as True a, enough. You know, we've, we've, enough. we've talked about this. Go all the way back to Amsterdam, <laughs> the episode yes. on Amsterdam. We are, I, I personally, I'm in favor of that. And and if you if you want to expand your carbon footprint because you want raw almonds that are not toxic, <laughs> I think you should be able to get them. It's true. I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna, I just, just going to you know. say that the, the, the one time I um, – the, the nastiest – 
email I ever received from somebody uh, was in response to an NPR interview I did on uh, a local NPR interview I did on pasteurization of almonds and specifically talking about propylene oxide and discussing the the raw meaning not roasted uh, as opposed to not treated. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see <laughs> how, how I fare um, after this conversation on the podcast. <laughs> well, it may be a different listenership here. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm hoping it's a little more positive li- listenership. Yeah, I, I think it's like, I, I really think this is like a fascinating part of this story though, right? Like there's no one, Amazon's probably not, in, like not sourcing Spanish spreadable raw whole almonds if you weren't the person they called in the person the almond industry called in in 2000 right like like this the, I, I think that's like this part's really fascinating to me like there's a whole other market now for um, this these other types of products mm-hmm. that, that would never mm-hmm. like no we wouldn't have been there and and it's like well, it's hard to say for sure. It, it's but. hard to say for sure, but I mean, I you know, if if there wasn't if there wasn't outbreaks, then how would people even know if there were raw almonds or not, or what the yeah. definition of raw is? Like all the other stuff that's that 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 are like um, tentacles of stories that come off of this are really are really fascinating. Um, yeah. And and it's yeah, it, it's I, uh, it's cool. I do believe that. Um, you know, again, uh, getting back to Michelle um, and her in the lab. And she just, you know, there, there were several other people in my lab at the time that just had a, yeah, I'm up for this adventure. And um, like I say, we, uh, the whole lab group just pulled together. And um, I think maybe another researcher, maybe even one who wasn't a cooperative extension specialist, um, might not have had the time and the drive to get out uh, on the road a lot and meet with growers and meet with processors and, you know, really, um, do that kind of trying to really understand the whole system. Um, so I think if, you know, a lot of the stars aligned to, to have somebody like in my place who is a cooperative extension specialist who had enough, background in salmonella um, and, and had a, a passion for the food industry, um, curiosity of, of understanding this industry, and then having, you know, five or six people in my lab at the time who um, really had the same kind of passion. And and so I think that that also really played into how this how this turned out. Yeah, I thank, thank goodness that UC Davis did not hire me because my involvement... <laughs> My involvement was just exactly right. Like Michelle came, she sat in my lab, she sat in front of a computer, we did risk modeling. It was great. And I get to be a little part of the story, but boy, I am glad I'm not driving that bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave I'm that to you. You weren't out there on, in August of 20, 2001. It was 105 degrees out and we were out in an almond orchard and we were, I have that, that photo I show all the time where we, we had somebody from the California Department of Food and Egg who was... 
assigned to help us um, look for salmonella in the orchards. And he, he made us put on uh, these suits that because he was a veterinarian and that's he, he always suited up when he went into a, a, a chicken house. Um, and so he made us put all these suits on and, and we first we, we realized real quick that that wasn't going to cut it in <laughs> almond orchard. So but we were hot and sweaty and um yeah, it was it was really an adventure. But anyway, so Don, you got to do that from the comfort of your office. Yeah, this is this is the way I like to do science in an air conditioned room by typing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we we seal this off, um, it, yeah, we're uh, getting on two hours. I see you get two walk podcast. In living living hole here. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that Don and I talk about on the podcast is never read the comments, but you should always, always read the read comments. The comments. Uh, and the comments, uh, my favorite one, there there are two here, but my favorite one is, um, oh, I missed it here. Something about, uh, oh, and I reloaded. It basically, um, all health, uh, you know, uh, this is why we shouldn't listen to health bloggers because um, they're you know, not scientists. Oh yeah, here it is. Problem with these health bloggers is they really don't have any knowledge. They get half knowledge and call themselves quote health expert. Blogging world is full of such experts. And Megan Megan Hart responds, this quote health blogger also has a law degree. Um <laughs> <laughs> and that that yep, that's true. Those things are mutually exclusive. Um so um uh, but anyway that yeah it, i I it, it is um, th- this is where things get in, you know, get into my world on on risk communication and, and social media. It, I do find it fascinating. I don't have good answers on how to, um, like, we'll never be able to stop this. But I, but I think because I, you know, I think there are folks in the food industry that are like, oh, we got to stop this, right? So that's not not possible. But I think what we need no. to do is be part of the conversation, right. and and then and then know. Which conversations do we need to be part of? Because this having, I think having a conversation with Megan with Megan Hart about uh, about food safety and reasons, it's not that's not really going to matter. It's the it, the people that that she's reaching with with her with her message of being there with. Well, this isn't the full story. Like here here's some here's a bunch more information about why we pasteurize uh, or steam pasteurize or, or treat almonds for four log reduction. Um, and, and you know what, Hey, buy your almonds elsewhere. Like, like, you know, that's okay. This is just why, why we do it. Um, yep. Cool. Yep. Well, two, two hours, two uh, hours. What? what? It was a lot of fun guys. It co- well, we, I mean, I, yeah, um, we, this is what we do. Uh, we uh, <laughs> complain about Skype. Someone's late. Uh, we talk we, about things. We tell that people are, never to read the comments, and then we always read the comments. We always read the comments, and then we uh, we get to tell cool stories. Well, no, thank you for for joining well, us, Linda. And I learned how to use my Yeti microphone, uh, not microscope, microphone, stereo microscope. Yeah, yeah. and I also uh, learned how to turn off the annoying ding on uh, <laughs> messages on my laptop. So these are. Like th- double thumbs up. We're 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 here to help people, Linda. <laughs> yeah, Thank help you. people every day. We're yeah, we're not just like uh, just a couple of nerdy podcasters. We're uh, we're here with solutions. <laughs> we're here with we're here with laptop solutions. Yeah, all right. Okay. You all guys, right. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely. Thanks again, Linda, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you talk to you later. And Don, um, um, we should. Uh, talk about what we what we're going to do this next, but um, yes, but 
Bye bye to everybody. Bye. 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 But not really bye-bye because we still have to talk about stuff. Um, so good. Linda, thanks. That was awesome. Oh, Linda left. Am I, okay. Am I the only one here? I'm no, here. I'm here. You're I'm here. here. I'm, just, I'm just leaving an appropriate amount of quiet so you can do the editing. Yeah, I'll be fine. I, I've got, I got a system. It's two of four of us. Linda left. Yeah. See, I knew I needed two of, to. Two of four? That's what it says. Two of four. Because I invited another Linda Harris. <laughs> <laughs> that would Linda have been Harris. great if she yeah. joined us. Well, she's not available, it said. She's Linda, it's still Linda J. Harris. It's just not LJ Harris 9485. Ah. Oh, that was cool. That was good. Um, should we – I think we might just leave the microsco mi microscope part. I don't want to edit it out. Oh, it's great. No. Yeah. Um, and it worked because it worked, we did – once we got the right setting, it worked. Yeah, it was fine. And I, I don't think anybody will really care about the, the funky audio at the beginning. No. So. No, it was, it'll be fine. Um, okay, so this one's mine. I uh, I might be able to do this here in the next couple hours. And uh, I just I just texted you uh, all the the titles that I captured. Oh my gosh, awesome! Oh, base hit for food. Safety. These are good. last minute. Linda is awesome. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to listen to these. Yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all, they're, there's a lot of, there's a lot of winners in that list. <laughs> there are, there are. Um, okay. So, when you want to do another one? Oh yeah. Two weeks from today is July 4th. That's gonna be a little bit difficult. That week, my not I, July 4th. Oh, so. two weeks from today is not July 4th. Two weeks from today is not even. First of all, <laughs> first of all, it's not July. Secondly, it's not the fourth. <laughs> two weeks from another day is july 4th <laughs> yes, it's, yes, yeah sure it's uh it's it's two weeks from june 20th um so two weeks from day is june 7th why uh oh no not wide open i got fda coming to visit um could do i could make any time and, and fridays aren't always best for you anyway uh, any, I could really do any time Thursday the fifth. I could do um, some yep, Thursday to the sixth. Or so, <laughs> <laughs> I meant Thursday the sixth. Yes. Are you 
Are you in an alternate calendar universe? Uh, I mean, I haven't had any coffee at all. I oh, did that. It was oh zero. no. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, I could also I could do June 5th and I could do June 6th. So um, equally my, easy. Yeah. So I, I June 5th is not great because I will have just gotten back from Brazil at 530 that morning. Oh, yeah, that's not good. But on the other hand, if we do it that day, um, I actually um, am working from home that day. If we do it, uh, if we do it on the 6th, I've got to come into the office. So I would I would definitely be up for doing it and and i and i got i got upgraded uh, for the ride home so i might nice. be able to sleep so i i would actually be up for doing it um anytime on the fifth except okay. I, I have a i do have a noon to two uh meeting that i'm going to try to call into but other than that i'm I'm available well you you tell me what time is best because i can like when you're in your thoughts like do you if you're getting at 5 30 do you want to do you want to do this at 10 do you want to do it or would you rather like have your morning to recover and then you're gonna do this call and we could do it at two yeah let's do it at two yeah that works that's perfect and if and if for some reason i just simply can't do it we can always yep. um, move it to the sixth right yeah absolutely yeah and i probably could do it on the seventh at some point i just don't know exactly what our schedule is we're doing yeah. observations and uh, Chris Waldrop. You know Chris? Yeah, he's coming. Um, and Charmy, Charmy Das, who I don't, I don't know Charmy um, uh, at all, but uh, other than through email. But Chris will be here, which is yes. Yeah, seventh cool. is not good because I'm actually teaching uh, all day. Okay, well then that's out anyway. Yeah. Um, this is eighty four, one eighty four, or the next one is the next one is. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right, that's a go. Um, so 2 p.m. June 5th, and um, and we'll hold other stuff as backup. Um, okay, I think I got everything I need, and uh, we'll just keep stuff in the folder. And if anybody else wants to, we're in a we're in a run here. If anybody interesting, and you can figure out if if you're listening to the after show, then you're probably more interested in the people that aren't. Um, if you're interesting and you want to be on the show, let us know. This is, you know, when we're recording, just email us. (laughs) (laughs) This is how we roll down. (laughs) Yeah. And, Uh, and yeah. And so I'll, um, so, so I already renamed, um, the, 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 the folder to 183. Um, uh, but I, but I don't think it really matters. No. And the next one is the next one. And, and I will, I'll drop, uh, I'll drop the uh, links into 183. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, I will, uh, that's all I need. And I will right. uh, hopefully get that up. I got a webinar I'm doing at, uh, let's see, at two till three. Um, and then I have to get a haircut at four. So I'm going to try and do all this, uh, in between three and four. Go for it. That's yeah. That's a good call. All right. Um, all right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.